Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. Uh, and today we have author Owen Booth, whose um, new book is called What We're Teaching Our Sons. Uh, he's a dad of two. And uh, thanks for coming in, Owen. Thanks, thanks very much, Owen. Yeah, so um, in order, we could we could waffle on here for a, an eternity about what Owen's done with his book, but we figured the best way to maybe give you an, an idea of why Owen's here on the podcast and why the book is so relevant to us and hopefully to you would be to get Owen to read a small piece. So, Owen, you're going to um, you're going to give us a little extract. Great, go for it. Take go it for away. It. Okay, uh, this is called friendship. We're teaching our sons about friendship. We're going away for a long weekend in the hills with the same group of male friends we've been going away with since we were teenagers. We explain to our sons that it's important to have relationships with people who've known you longer than you've known yourself, that it matters to be among people who have no expectations of you. Can we come with you, our sons ask. No, we tell them. On the first day of the long weekend, we all walk up a hill together, all the middle-aged and nearly middle-aged men. We briefly ask after each other's families, careers, cars and houses... We look at the sheep, taking the rainy views and the clean air. Then we spend the evening and the next two days sitting around the rented cottage in our tracksuits, drinking and smoking and taking hallucinogenic drugs and having competitions to see who can do the most chin-ups or eat the most biscuits in one go. (laughs) Sometimes we go to the pub across the road. We don't discuss our lives or our worries or our hopes for the future or our fears about what happens next. We don't talk about our money problems or our health. At one point we invent a new version of indoor golf, briefly consider marketing it and becoming rich. We take it in turns to see who can climb to the top of the two-storey stone chimney in the double-height lounge. Through the windows, the endless rain washes the surface of the lake day and night, and nobody goes to bed. Around dawn on the third day, somebody notices that Kev has disappeared. We check to see whether he's fallen asleep in the bath or accidentally locked himself in the cellar. He's not in the house. We all put on our boots and stagger outside in the grey half-light, We wander around the fields calling Kev's name and disturbing the sheep. The wet grass brushes our tracksuit bottoms and the soft rain falls on our faces. Eventually we find Kev down by the lake, sitting on a rock, looking at the pictures of his kids on his phone and crying softly to himself. Nobody wants to see that. What's he taken? someone asks. What have you taken, Kev? We all took the same thing, someone else says. Didn't we all take the same thing? We all stand round feeling uncomfortable while Kev sobs quietly. A breeze ruffles the surface of the lake. Eventually, someone goes to the house and comes back with a cup of tea for Kev. Cup of tea, Kev, mate, they say. Thanks, Kev says, sniffling. He wipes his eyes and gives everyone a weak smile, an embarrassed thumbs up. I was just, you know... He indicates the hills and the sky with a sweep of his arm, holds up the phone with the pictures of his kids. Right, we say, yeah. Nobody says anything for a while after that. We smoke our cigarettes, look at the sheep, wonder if the clouds are ever going to clear from the top of the hills, and then awkwardly, one by one, we all clap Kev on the shoulder before trooping back to the house, leaving Kev to pull himself together on his own, in his own time. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like bursting into applause. (laughs) 
um, that I, I, I'm sure God there must be so many blokes like, like Steve and myself who are listening to that um, and thinking yep yeah, been there yeah. done that <laughs> yeah. almost it's almost like I, in fact I can specifically think of an exact weekend yeah. I had in a cottage with a load of my mates yeah, uh, yeah, God Almighty, yeah. and that's that's, well, that's a got, horribly. I've just got a flat flashback to being halfway up Penny Fan <laughs> <laughs> with, with me gaiters on, <laughs> thinking to myself, "We're going to get lost." <laughs> yeah. But I think that that, in a nutshell, I suppose, explains why. As, as I said, just introducing that, you know, why the book is. We thought, you know, and it, Steve heard about the book before I did. And we immediately thought, well, this is this is exactly the type of thing we're talking about in the podcast. We need to get on yeah. <laughs> uh, because the, uh, you know it's like you said. There's there's a bit of humour to that, um, you know, uh, and we're, we're we're all sitting here laughing about it. But there's a serious point behind it in that it is amazing how we all have so much going on in our in our minds in our lives, uh, and we don't talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for, I mean, for me, the, the whole book is kind of started from that that sort of thing that. We don't talk about it, and partly we all think it would be a good idea if men did talk about their feelings more, and partly mm. we're like, no, 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 that's the last thing we want to happen, that's, you know. But then we get pulled in different directions, don't we? And, you know, the title of the book, What We're Teaching Our Sons, I mean, it, that in itself kind of resonates with me, and I'm sure it does with a lot of the listeners, in that we do get pulled in those different directions of what we kind of, in inverted commas, should be teaching our yeah. sons, and what mm. we do, and what we think our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers taught their sons and do we want to teach our sons that or do we not or should I do or am I just thinking I should uh, you know all those questions that float around my head in a, on a daily basis yeah I, I, I kind of feel like I mean did, did did our fathers and their fathers even worry about that sort of thing or yeah. did they just get on with it yeah. <laughs> so yeah on the one hand I think we're all we're trying to be these better men which is, which is not a bad thing to try and do mm. but at the same time we're like Maybe we're just overthinking everything. Are like, we just making our lives difficult? Yeah. That's I'm, a really, really valid question. <laughs> I, like, I sometimes envy, you know, like when you see those blokes who just don't seem to think about stuff on any great level. And, you know, it's very easy to be snobby about it. I am sometimes really envious of that. I think, God, why, why can't you just sit back and enjoy life and think like, oh, yeah, things are fine, rather than asking ourselves yeah. these constant questions. But I we mean, are, we are a, a generation of cons- considering ourselves, aren't we? Mm. We consider yeah. ourselves in a way that I think previous generations haven't when you've got two kids right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. two and, boys and, yeah. and they're a bit older than yeah Richard and I um have you had an experience where they some of the stuff in the book I guess is autobiographical yeah a lot of it I suspect um have you had an experience where you've found yourself you've had to catch yourself where you're teaching you're trying to teach your son or tell tell your son something and you're going i'm, I'm being that person mm. i think i think constantly constantly be- because as soon as you're aware of it and you're, t- you're either i think we're all of us we're either trying to be our dads or not be our dads yeah that's kind of what it comes down to and you're yeah. thinking well the, the good things that, that that your dad did for you or you know could have been your mom could have been your granddad could have been an uncle whoever that figure was you think yeah I want to be more like that. How do I do it? And and as soon as you're kind of trying to think about it, you know, you're, you're yeah. not doing the best job in the world that you could do. Or you're going the other way. I never want to be like that. I never yeah. want to be that kind of person. I never want to bring my kids. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a constant. And I think it's funny, but, but it is a constant. If you're thinking about it, it's a constant battle of how am I doing it? Am I doing the right job? You know, mm. am I doing the right thing? Should I be more involved with my kids? Am I getting too involved with yeah, my kids? Yeah. I have, I have this thing. I almost had to 
stop playing Lego with them because I'd get obsessed about trying to build something perfect. <laughs> and especially my long, younger one absolutely loves Lego and he will just build the most crazy things for hours. But, you know, he's six. Yeah. He builds them in, in weird ways and they end up falling over and they're just fantastically imaginative but not structurally sound. <laughs> <laughs> if I start playing, I'm like, oh, yeah, can, can we just... No, yeah. hang on a minute. Yeah. If I just reinforce this and I'll just, you know, and I've just got to step back and go... Do you know what? Stop trying to be whatever it is you're trying to be. So yeah. you're the picture on the box. Yeah. And he's the, once that castle has been built and demolished and it starts to become like spaceships or whatever. And I'm almost turning into the, the dad in the Lego movie who wants to glue it all together. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a toy, don't you understand? Yeah. And yeah, same with computer games, same with everything else. So I just have to kind of go, because yeah. because I loved doing those kind of things when I was a kid, and mm. I do. I think like a lot of dads secretly still do love it, mm. but it's very difficult to kind of have that grown up attitude and then enjoy it in the same way because you you know it's not yours anymore. Mm. Well, it comes back down to that thing of being pulled in different directions. Do I want to show him how to do it properly? Exactly. Or yeah, do yeah. I want to? Or do I just want to enjoy this with him? And it. it, it I suppose with any situation you're in with your kids, you you could yeah. pose that I, question, couldn't you? I had I got moved some stuff out of my parents' house, and I had a box of my childhood stuff, oh. and in this box was a yellow Beetle car, but it was a Transformer, and I'm like you know forty forty one, so this is probably you know it was in good condition, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. worth something on eBay, and I gave it to my son. It's lost its wheels, the wing mirrors have been smashed off, the arms on the transforming bit. But my son's, it's still a transformer to him. And it's about letting go of that kind of bit of childhood of mine that I would otherwise try and, I'm obviously trying to preserve it in some some way and letting him have his childhood Mm. with it, I guess. It's it's a weird one. My my, my dad, and I write about it a bit in the book, he's he's like obsessed with model railways. And since he's retired, he's built this massive model railway layout in his loft. Now, two little boys go up and see that. They just, they think it's the most amazing thing ever, but they want to grab the trains and play with it. So on the one hand, he's trying to be the kind of cool granddad and just like, yeah, "Yeah, look at this. But on the other hand, he's going, no, no, don't touch me trains. Don't touch me trains. (laughs) But they're looking at a toy, so they think they can. Exactly. I I have a thing with Ben. Ben's only 19 months old. And we have this thing now regularly where he loves throwing the ball back. He's starting to throw the ball and he's got he's got quite a good arm on him, so we're throwing it back and forth. And I'm suddenly aware that I'm constantly encouraging him to throw the ball to daddy. He throws anything else, I lose my rag. <laughs> don't throw your cars. You don't throw your cars. You don't throw that. You know, you don't throw your cup. Don't throw your plate. And then, but then he picks up the ball. It's, yes, throw the ball. Yeah, that's the one. And, it's, and it dawned on me the other day. It's like, no wonder he's confused. Why, why is it okay to throw this spherical object, but everything else is banned from being thrown? And I have to, you have to sometimes yeah. ask yourself these questions. And it's like, it's, I have to pause for a moment and put myself in his shoes and think hang on he's still he's still trying to yeah, compute yeah, yeah. all this stuff yeah. and I'm just confusing the hell out of the poor kid you have to be careful don't you with yeah. like the bo- oh, we have the, the bike the balance bike at the moment it's like right, yeah. to start off with when we first got it he was alright in the kitchen with it and uh, now he's outside in it he wants to now keep bringing it back into the house and the other day we got like two steps ago, he drove it down the steps and he crashed and whacked his head and we're like no you have to play with that outside now and he's like well where's the line at which point it <laughs> yeah. becomes sort yeah, of becoming yeah. an inside toy yeah. so it's kind of an outside toy because it's completely arbitrary it's arbitrary to them they don't understand like well what's wrong with what I'm doing here and then if you actually tried to sit down and explain it it would take you forever so it's just yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I, one of the things that I find really interesting about this concept of what we're teaching our sons is that thing of 
I suppose we go back to that idea of traditional masculinity, and I suppose you you kind of touch on it a little bit in the book in the, yeah. in those things that are supposedly kind of masculine. I don't know masculine forms of behaviour, um, the old sort of macho nonsense. Um, are you are you somebody who is actively trying to avoid doing that and kind of take a more kind of modern approach to it? Or what, what's your view on that? I, I, I'm kind of a mix. I mean, part yeah. of me. I, Part of me, I, I wouldn't consider myself particularly blokey, you yeah. know. But at the at the same time, we, we were talking a bit before, and like in that story, all those men getting together to have that weekend and have a fantastic time, which I'm actually going to do with my mates again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Nobody wants the the weekend ruined by people talking about their feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so on the one hand, you know, we all want to be these better men and more in touch with our feelings yeah. and reconstructing ourselves and all that kind of thing. And you know, I think that's very important. Mm. But at the same time. There is, you know, a certain delight mm. sometimes in just being a bit of a bloke and trying not to overthink things. And just, yeah. you know, like we were just saying, not not thinking about stuff, yeah. just kind of doing it. So I think it's important to acknowledge that as well, that that's actually sometimes that sometimes is enjoyable because sometimes it's very easy to beat yourself up and think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not being the, yeah. the progressive father slash husband slash human being that <laughs> I, I want to be. But occasionally there is occasionally there is some delight in kind of you know withdrawing into your inner caveman. Yeah, yeah, God, God, absolutely, and you know, and having a bit of misrule and having a bit of chaos, you know, talking about riding bikes downstairs. That's the, that's the kind yeah. of thing we all did as kids, yeah. and sometimes yeah. as a grown up, you think, do you know what? I want to do something really stupid because <laughs> yeah. yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true, and it's but again, it all comes back to that balancing act, doesn't it? Of where do, where do I pitch myself? And it does, it does. To go back to our original point. It does seem that we have given ourselves all these different roles now we our, our particular generation of fathers we're adding in all these other additional pressures on yeah, ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. and where do we pitch ourselves within that you know it's, it's very very complicated and i think it's a the the book seems to be uh, throughout the ages i guess we've looked back and perhaps and thought to ourselves we'll fix our own mistakes <laughs> by fixing our kids yeah so things that we've done mm. in our life or regrets that we've had we're all you know around the same age i guess guys. Yeah. and you perhaps if you look back at your life didn't think maybe it would quite turn out like this or you've got some mates that have ter- it seems to have financially turned out a bit better for them and you think well okay i wish I, that might maybe i put a bit of regret there so i'm gonna make sure my son has the best opportunities or understand this is really important you know you need to yeah, yeah. do this and there's that, you know, Philip Larkin. It reminded me a bit of Philip Larkin. Yeah. You know, the, the famous quote, you know, without, without repeating it, you know, to paraphrase, you, they screw you up with mum and dad, they don't mean to, but they do. Mm. Um, and it's that kind of thing that we, do you think there's a danger or, of any ill effect on your child? Or do you just think that's how it, it is going to be? Mm. I, th- I mean, I think we're all kind of constantly worrying. Um, you know, maybe... We are sort of all the similar age. Maybe we're the first generation that's that's almost been aware of the potential damage that your parents can do and the, yeah. the potential, the toxic masculinity, whatever we want to call it. We're all kind of now thinking, oh, if I do this, will it be that? If I do that, will it be this? What kind of kids do I want my kids to grow up to be? Whereas our parents, certainly our dads, maybe it was it was a lot simpler. Mm. There was very simple codes of behavior. Yeah. You didn't overthink it too much. You just kind of got on with it. And, you know, there's positives and, mm. and very huge negatives to that. But then the reality what? is, in 20, 30 years... 
there's going to be something that our generation will be accused of doing to our kids. Absolutely. In the sense yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of what we've done. I, and I, I, sometimes, I sometimes ponder that, because obviously toxic masculinity is the thing we talk about for, for young men these days, uh, and in terms of where that's come from. What's, what's the next generation going to be saying that our kind of approach, that maybe we were too careful, maybe yes. that yeah, would be yeah, the yeah, thing, yeah. that we, we were too mild-mannered and we let yeah, our kids yeah. run wild and all the rest of it. You know, they, they, It always comes back around, doesn't it, generation? I've got a theory, because we've been doing stuff as you know, report for the Mirror. We've been doing stuff in the last month about the hundredth year anniversary end of the First World yeah. War, and then next year it's seventy years since the, since D Day, the end of the Second World War. Our generation is the first generation, probably, where our parents weren't physically involved in a yeah. war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our That's parents' true. generation, yeah, yeah. their parents were in the war. Yeah. I mean, my dad, you know, he's passed away. He was a lot older. He fought in the in the Second World War. But I wonder if there's this thing that masculinity was so damaged by those two wars that it's taken a while for us to kind of reassess it a little bit. And it's, it's only our generation that's doing it because, yeah. you know, men did stuff to men. Yeah, in yeah, two yeah, wars yeah. Yeah. That's, that, you know, damaged it. We, that's I a really a, interesting idea. I, hadn't thought I had that. A, um, mm. a conversation with, uh, you know, it's a forthcoming podcast um, where we spoke to Sir Michael Morpurgo, the author, yeah. and he said that when he went into hospital with his kids um, when they were born, the nurses didn't want him anywhere near yeah, because yeah. they had they viewed men as such a damaging force yeah. because they'd That's seen the damage in the war right. that men had done to other men. And I thought that was really interesting mm. what he said, and I, I just think that maybe this generation there is something about we haven't had a war. Yeah, well, yeah, not yet. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it time. I appreciate we've had like Afghanistan yeah. and, and yeah. Iraq, but not on the scale. Not not conscription. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think is where is is the tipping point, isn't it? Where where everyone's pulled into it. So I think, but it's it's a really interesting idea because there there is something there is something fundamentally different about our generation of fathers. And I'm not suggesting to say yeah. that's, that's better by any means. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But I think there is definitely something different in terms of our mm. our kind of mental approach to parenting i don't know is it i mean is it is it that we're more hyper aware of everything is yeah. it that 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 again that old idea of uh, there's just one way of doing things and you just get on with it and that's the way it is whereas now everybody's got much more mm. choice about everything whether it's you know choice in things to buy or the person yeah. you want to be or all that kind mm. of thing you can so, give your opinion as freely exactly as you like thanks to the internet and podcasts and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah <laughs> everyone's we're part of the problem everyone's but, <laughs> Everyone's so voice options. is as loud as everyone else's yeah. voice, yeah. isn't it? There's no one voice. Yeah. And, and all our opinions are valid. And, yeah. you know, we don't trust experts anymore, so yeah. it's all... But it's it, funny, I mean, talking about that, I, I talked to my parents about the, the way they were brought up, their children, and every few years it shifts from, you know, be more p- permissive, be less permissive, be more medicalised, be less medicalised. Mm. So, you know, when, when I was born, your dad didn't go to the birth. That was mm. just completely unheard of. You know, what men did was they walked around outside yeah. smoking cigars. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened, you know. And, and it was very medicalised. It was very, we just get on with it. We just deliver the baby. Don't care about mum and dad's opinions. But the flip side is my mum got to stay in hospital for two weeks yeah. because yes. as a woman, when you'd had a baby, they were like, oh, now you need to recover. Yeah. So we're going to just yeah. look after you for two weeks. Yeah. Whereas now oh, you, you can have much more options and choices. But once your baby's out, <laughs> yeah. 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 on so your toes. My, yeah. so <laughs> my, my second child, we arrived at the hospital 40 minutes before the baby was born. The baby was born at one o'clock. We were at six o'clock. We were back home, sat on the sofa having a pizza <laughs> yeah. with a, sleep, a baby, a newborn yeah. baby asleep. I mean, I mean that's nuts that, when you think about that it. That is like you know, 
That that seems bizarre. I mean, my my son was born by cesarean, and even then, I think it was on day. Well, goes my my wife will tell me off here. I think it might have been at the end of day two when they were talking about discharging her, and I basically went and pled with the nurse and said that she's still really exhausted. She's not quite. <laughs> she's yeah, I can see empty. But yeah, I can see empty beds here. Do you really need to kick us out? And she's kind of took pity on us and said, "Yeah, you can stay another night. We've got enough room." Yeah, but it you know that that in itself is yeah that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, and then everybody's expect. Yeah, get home right, get back on it. You know, mm. w- women are under this pressure to immediately bounce back. Yeah. Then you know, just take it all in your stride. Yeah. It's just mm. get on with it. Like yeah, you said. yeah, yeah, we're all just supposed to get on with it. And maybe, maybe with your second child, to an extent, you do sort of do that because second child just like, yeah, yeah, fine, we'll go home, get on with it. Yeah. But the first child, you come home and just like, what? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can't just yeah. you can't just leave me with this child and expect me to yeah. get on with my life. Everybody remembers. I th- I'm sure everybody must remember like that journey home and walking in the front door and that thing of like putting everything down because obviously you take the world you take your half your house to the hospital. Of course, the first time you have a kid and you put all the stuff down in the hallway or in the living room or whatever. And then you're standing there with like this little Moses, Moses basket with this tiny little human being, and then you sort of look at each other and you go, right, what now? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do we do now? You expect someone to come and go, uh, yeah, we're not, gonna, we're not really going to leave you on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Here's, here's the help yeah. for you. But and, and but they never they never turn up. <laughs> you're, just, you're there and you just have to figure it out forever. I suppose it goes back to that thing that you sort of mentioned earlier, Owen. Is that what was the approach in previous generations? You know, were there. And I, I, like you, you know, I've spoken to my parents about this. Yeah. And they kind of do have that attitude of, well, you just kind of have to get on with it, don't you? Yeah. And that's just it. And and I do wonder again, like, you know, whether Steve's theory has, has touched on something there. But, like, what is it different about – and are we different in that – are we just always asking questions and asking questions of ourselves and what we're supposed to be doing and all those things that weren't asked – by previous generations or is that doing the previous generations a disservice I, I don't know I, I, th- I, th- I think it feels like there's 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 a truth in that mm. you know maybe previous generations were kind of internally asking the questions but mm. certainly not externally but also I'm bloody whinging about it yeah yeah yeah. you just got on with it <laughs> yeah. but, but the rules in some ways they were a lot simpler but but if they worked for you and I think for a lot of people they didn't work but it was mm. just like there's one way of being you don't need to overthink it because there's no alternatives this yeah. is it now so this is what you do the street I grew up in I mean this was sort of 70s they were all lovely people and we lived in a lovely community but everybody knew there was a way of behaving mm. and it's yeah. like there's a security and safety in that but if you didn't quite fit it it's like oh mm. hang on what's, what's going on here mm. so mm. you know there are positives and there are there are negatives it's yeah do you, um, the book title, if we were to flip it slightly and say what our sons are teaching us, do you find as a father that you watch your kids playing and you think, they're teaching me something about personal relationships or how how it works that I'd not really considered before? Oh, I, th- I, th- I think everything. I mean, the, the, the whole book itself, it, it's... It, it's a book by accident, really, because I started writing a piece that was almost against this idea of men talking about their feelings and talking about fatherhood. Because I just, I, just the idea of mm. oh, a man talking about what it is to be a dad. You just there's part of you embraces it, and there's part of you kind of cringes because you're just like <laughs> we don't, we don't need to hear that kind of thing. <laughs> and so I started writing this book that was just mainly supposed to be funny, just. Lots of different funny lessons about the funny things that happen when, you, when you're a dad and you're trying to teach your kids. And it always goes wrong because you've got an idea of what they're supposed to be like and what you're supposed to be like. That's never what reality is mm. like. But, but the funny thing was, and in, and in a way, 
it is about my kids teaching me. Just writing that book and, and revisiting all the, the things that had happened, I found that I was writing about emotions that, mm. that was the last thing I would have wanted to do. You yeah. know, the idea of sitting down and writing a book about emotions and how I was feeling to me is just like, that's, why would I ever want to talk about my emotions? Mm. Certainly not write about them. But as I was writing this book that was, okay, let's make it funny, let's make it lighthearted, let's make it easy to read, these things started coming mm. out and these things are how I actually feel. You know, when you worry about your kids, when you think about the future, when you see them hurt and in pain, just completely devastates you. Yeah. And this stuff started coming through while I was writing it and then thinking about my childhood and my dad and how he felt about his dad. We were talking about the war. My, my granddad fought in the First World War. Wow. Uh, actually got malaria in Italy, which was a thing that kept coming back to him later in his life and never really talked about his experiences in the war, getting blown up in the trenches in the First World War. But I know for a fact that his experiences had an effect on my dad and that had an effect on, yeah. you know, mm. us and it goes on and on. So all these things that I'm kind of learning from my sons and, and that I was learning when I was writing this book, it's, I think, having children and, and writing this book in, in in a sort of lesser way, it makes you vulnerable Yeah. in a way that nobody wants to be. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And it yeah. just seems to open up all kinds of things because yeah. until you have kids, you're sort of walking around in the world and things can happen to you and the people you care about, but you just get on with it. Once you've got children, you're kind of hostage mm. because you care about these these little creatures far more than you ever imagined you would ever yeah. care about anything. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, the world can, can almost do what it wants yeah. to my children. Yeah. So, so I'm walking around with this massive vulnerability that, I never wanted to have. You don't want to kind of, you know, it's like an exposed raw wound mm. that you don't want to present to the world. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to describe my children as like an exposed raw wound. <laughs> if you're like, listening, children, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you're listening, kids, it's fine. It's all scabbed over. But it's that weird feeling of yeah. you, you're vulnerable to the world because you, yeah. can't, you can't do it on your own. You know, you, whether it's support of your, your partner or your neighbours or other parents, people at school doctors the people you know if, you, if you're wheeling a pram down the street you're suddenly vulnerable in a way that you've never been before mm. it's like you know and thankfully 99 percent of humanity people are oh somebody with a baby how, how nice and yeah. lovely that's fine cars stop for you everything mm. else but you're vulnerable in yeah. a way that you know what if a car didn't stop what if somebody didn't yeah. do this that, i do know? that thing all the time now when i'm walking down a busy road and I just find myself gripping the buggy a little bit tighter because I'm because sort to your point, I'm kind of very very aware that all it would take is for me to kind of let go of the buggy and the buggy will go into the road and that would be it. Yeah, that would be it. Well, you wait, you, you wait until you start walking back from nursery yeah. with Ben when he wants to walk. when he wants to walk. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. and he, and then when he doesn't want to hold your hand, yeah. And because Jackson's at that point now where he doesn't want to hold my hand walking back. So we've, caught, we've found a happy medium in the sense I now carry him back from nursery on my shoulders. Yeah, because that one. gives yeah, yeah. me some control yeah. because we, you know, we live in London. It's a busy road and it's that time of day when you pick up a nursery at five o'clock. There's a cars, it's busy. It's madness. And everyone's tired. Mm. I explained that to my, my son. I said to him, like, you need to be super careful in the night time because... At night time, people who have been at work all day and they're tired, they all want to get home to their mums and dads and they're not really paying attention to what they're doing. So you need to pay attention even more yeah. to what you're doing to try and talk, to explain it to him. And he said to me the other day, there was a, a, a van that stopped a bit suddenly and he was, said something like, you know, he's sleepy daddy. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, probably is yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we all got bad lessons we to learn. It's, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? You, like on the one hand, you, you've got to teach them, you've got to make them safe from the world, but you don't want to break their hearts. Yeah, so that's where, it. And I don't do want to put, I don't want to put fear into him. So yeah. I, I do things like well, you Halloween. Described. We've <laughs> just had Halloween, <laughs> yeah. haven't we? You, you know, you, try you, explain Halloween to a two well, and a half year old. It's a party. People put pumpkins outside their houses to tell to tell other people that they're having a party and we did avoided the entire sweets thing we didn't get into that I know you managed that well played on that yeah, one we just but, you, come but your thing about like traffic and the dangers of you know the dangers of the world I suppose I'm always aware because yeah I do the same thing you have to you know because fear is I suppose fear is a kind of learning tool in a yeah, sense yeah, yeah. and that's a valid way of doing it but then I'm always worried like oh am I making him too afraid yeah is he too cautious you know like so it's I mean it comes back to that thing isn't it you, you with every single decision I suppose that's the thing I've realised and it it's a bit on your vulnerability point as well that with every single decision you're making every single interaction you have with your kid there is there is always a line to tread and there's always yeah. you can always go one you can or, always go too far one way or the other and you've got to try and find the sweet spot or, and or are you or are you because we had James Breakwell didn't we mm. on um, you know he's written a book Lazy Parenting yeah and he said we you know similar to what you said about do we focus too much on trying to turn out perfect kids because if it was working where are all the perfect adults it's a good point that's a good one as long as you keep them fed and dry and relatively safe they're going to turn up yeah, they're going to yeah. turn out okay I have to keep yeah, reminding yeah. myself that because I think it's a really good point in that sense that you know how much how much parenting do you actually need to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because you know, especially once they go off to school, you, you you maybe haven't seen this yet. I've seen it very much. Once they go to school, it's kind of it's out of your hands. Mm. You know, they won't even tell you what what they've been doing, what their friends said, everything else. They're now their own people, and they are growing up in a completely different environment that you can't control. So. Mm. Maybe the best any of us can do, yeah, just give them that good grounding. Yeah. You know, keep them safe, keep them fed, keep them watered, and then send them out into the world with hopefully a bit of self-confidence and a bit of nows. Yeah. I was talking to a, a colleague on the phone the other day, uh, and he was got, he's got a 15-year-old son. Oh, God. And I was <laughs> explaining about my two-and-a-half-year-old, how, you know, he sleeps in the spare room with me, he always wants a cuddle, all that kind of stuff. He said, and, it, you know, he asked me questions. He said, well, enjoy it. Yeah. Because when they yeah, get yeah, to 15, yeah. they think you're a prat. <laughs> <laughs> and they definitely don't want to cuddle from their dad. <laughs> yeah, my 10-year-old's my kind of on the cusp. It's like half the time he's totally too cool to even you know get excited about anything and then the other half the time he still wants to cuddle and I'm yeah. like I've got to a point now I'm really sort of aware of it and relishing yeah. it because mm. it's going and I can see that it's going savouring every moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and give it a year or two and he's just going to think I'm a complete waste <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the idea of being the embarrassing dad you know I quite, I quite I'm already reveling in it you know Ben's not even two yet and I'm already kind of like you know I find myself dancing in an in even more embarrassing way than I would have done two and a half years ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think it's, I don't know if it's genetic or something, but you're, you're just sort of predisposed to becoming a bit more of an embarrassing prat when you, once you become a father. Yeah, and, yeah, maybe. And I, I think it's better to embrace it. You yeah, know? absolutely. You, you want Living. to give your kids something to rebel against. You don't want to be <laughs> yeah. like super cool dad so your yeah. kid's like, oh God, what, what am I going to do now? I remember, yeah. you remember, everyone remembers the super cool parents, you know, <laughs> super cool in inverted commas from when you were at school and when you were like 14 or 15 yeah. and you'd go around to that kid's house because their parents would be like, yeah, have a beer, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> 
Nobody respected those parents. Yeah. Nobody respected. It's like, come on, be be what you're supposed to be. Be like really uncool, really embarrassed, yeah. really embarrassing, you know? really heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to be as a you parent. Know. Don't be the yeah. You can come to our house and have a cigarette and well, a beer. I, I think it's very interesting because the book's obviously called What We're Teaching Our Sons, and I, I've always got a daughter. Yeah, and it'll be interesting mm. to see how I react to a daughter who's growing up because that opens a whole other oh, yeah, can yeah, yeah. of even touched on that, I yeah, suppose, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, my brother my brother's got two girls and he's already you know, and, and they're they're young but he's already talking about he's gonna have to get his shotgun, he's gonna be saying <laughs> Again I, I put a little thing to him in 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 the book where the, you know the dads of the teenage girls are sitting on the porch with a shotgun. It's <laughs> just like no 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 boys are coming up this yeah. path. Well, we we had um Tim Lovejoy come on to the podcast and he's got two teenage daughters now twins and he said it's really having them are really focused on how his mind on how women are treated by society yeah because you know he wants his daughters to be treated you know of course exactly the same as men are treated because they're his daughters but perhaps you know prior to that it, mm. we might have had slightly different views or not not different views but maybe not quite so Force, forceful in our opinions and yeah. I think it would definitely change you know change how I approach things I know yeah. I, 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 not, not having girls I mean for, for me and I, I would have wanted to think of myself as a you know fairly enlightened guy before mm. that with fairly decent attitudes to, towards women once you for me once I kind of see my partner giving birth and going mm, through pregnancies yeah, yeah, yeah. and lost pregnancies and all that kind of thing it's like oh my god yeah, 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 yeah. you just kind of think what women go through but then from that you, you kind of realise what women just go through generally in life yeah. and we all like to think oh yeah I knew all that anyway because I'm enlightened and totally cool yeah. but you don't really no. until you kind of see it you're up against it personally absolutely yeah. you, yes. you see what women go through in, medically you see yeah. what women go through socially and it just really does you know, makes you oh my yeah. god! I mean, we, we are. Let's, let, let's remember here that we are three. I mean, the guys, the three of us sitting around here, we're all white, we're all men. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, all, yeah. we're all. I guess we describe yeah. ourselves as middle class. Do you know what I mean? We are not. We are not an oppressed minority by no. any stretch of the imagination. No. So, I, but I completely agree that nothing has made me kind of reassess my view of what we, of how women what women have to go through and what inc- you know what incredible human beings many women are then seeing my wife go through pregnancy and labor i yeah. mean it's, it, 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 you're completely right it completely opens up your mind yeah. and you yeah. think wow okay so that you, right you really are the stronger half of the species because yeah. we could i couldn't do that that's incredible you know what you've actually just put your body through and we have a lot of female listeners to the podcast yeah. we know so it'd be interesting to hear from anyone who's listening uh who's listened to a while what they think of the podcast what we yeah, yeah. what they think yeah, about how we go about yeah. this um you know fatherhood business um, and yeah drop us an email um, at firsttimedads at reachplc.com or, or leave some comments I know some people have on the iTunes uh, account like reviews and, and let us know what you think yeah it's, no it's, it's a really good point it would be interesting to know from if you think get that female perspective do Rich and I about. sound like we're on the right track or do we sound like a pair of whinging moaning <laughs> yeah. you know and you pathetic f- and you're going to stage an intervention on <laughs> Ben Jackson and Iris <laughs> yeah yeah feel free to tell us either way do you know what I mean? it's like, this is an open forum <laughs> Actually, on that note, that probably seems like a good point at which to end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are we pathetic, whinging, moaning sods? Um, yeah, that's that's a nice way to wrap it yeah. up. Um, oh, and and if our wives much. are listening, don't 
don't yeah 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 we, we know what you yeah think. we know what you think already you don't need to tell everybody uh <laughs> i mean thank you very much for coming in once again the new book is what we're teaching our sons by owen booth i mean it really is um yeah it's it, it, as i say if you like the podcast you'll like this book yeah it's, a, it's, a fair, it's, it's beautifully written as well it's very very kind of lyrical and i i, I enjoyed it cheers yeah. Guys. <laughs> Thank, thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming in. Yeah. Owen. Best of luck with the book. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. As Steve has already said, email addresses uh, firsttimedads at reachplc.com. Please do get in touch. Um, and we'll catch you all next time. Cheers. <laughs>